This is the Sunday Catholic Word, a production of Catholic Answers, the only podcast to look at the Sunday Mass readings from an apologetics perspective. Hey everyone, welcome to the Sunday Catholic Word, a podcast where we reflect on the upcoming Sunday Mass readings and pick out the details that are relevant for explaining and defending our Catholic faith. I'm Carlo Broussard, staff apologist and speaker for Catholic Answers, and the host for this podcast. The Gospel reading for this upcoming Sunday Mass comes from Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 through 48, and that would be the seventh Sunday of Ordinary Time, year A. There's one detail in it that we're going to spend our time focusing on in this episode. It's Jesus' instruction to turn the other cheek. Now, even though we're not going to focus on everything that's in the passage, it's important to read the entire passage in order to establish context. So here it is. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, offer no resistance to one who is evil. When someone strikes you on your right cheek, turn the other one to him as well. If anyone wants to go to law with you over your tunic, hand him your cloak as well. Should anyone press you into service for one mile, go with him for two miles. Give to the one who asks of you, and do not turn your back on one who wants to borrow. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your heavenly Father. For he makes his son rise on the bad and the good and causes rain to fall on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what recompense will you have? Do not the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brothers only, what is unusual about that? Do not the pagans do the same? So be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Jesus' instruction to turn the other cheek is often interpreted to mean that we as Christians must never defend ourselves. But I'm going to argue here that such an interpretation is wrong. So that's going to be the focus, the main focus of this episode. Now, I will just throw in a little bonus for you there in verse 48, so be perfect, just as your heavenly Father is perfect. Notice how our Lord demands perfection. This is a this is a text that often comes up in discussions concerning purgatory, where once we have that biblical revealed principle that we need to be perfect, as the heavenly Father is perfect, between death and glory, if we are not perfect yet, if we have not attained that state of perfection that is necessary for heaven, then we must become perfect, completely sanctified. And of course, that completion of perfection, of that perfect holiness necessary for heaven, would come in the final purification of purgatory. So, for those of you listening, Matthew 5, 48 here, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect, gives an opportunity to reflect upon the doctrine of purgatory. But we're not going to spend our time on that in this episode. We're going to focus on Jesus' instruction to turn the other cheek. Now, here's just a brief outline. Here's our order of business, right? We need to explain, first of all, why we should reject such a pacifist interpretation. That's going to be our first order of business. Then we'll give some possible interpretations as to exactly what Jesus means by this instruction to turn the other cheek. So, on to the reasons why we should reject this pacifist interpretation. First, if Jesus meant for us to be pacifists, then he would be contradicting himself. In Luke chapter 22, verses 36 through 38, Jesus approves 
of taking up a sword for self-defense. He tells the apostles, let him who has no sword sell his cloak and buy one. And they said, look, Lord, here are two swords. And he said to them, it's enough. If the pacifist interpretation of Jesus' teaching to turn the other cheek were correct, well, then Jesus here would be contradicting himself. Since we can't say that Jesus would contradict himself, we must reject the pacifist interpretation of the turn the other cheek teaching. Now, someone might counter that Jesus rebukes Peter for lashing out against the temple guard in the garden later in verses 50 through 51, telling Peter to put his sword away. And doesn't that prove that we need to be pacifists? Doesn't that prove that we cannot take up the sword in self-defense? In response, I think we can say this. This prohibition to use the sword, this prohibition by Jesus with Peter in the garden, this prohibition to use the sword was a prohibition of a particular kind of use, namely using the sword to stop Jesus from being taken away to suffer and die in accord with the Father's will. (laughs) Jesus had already instructed the apostles that he was to suffer and die in accord with God's will. Check out Luke 9, 44 and 18, 32. Peter, therefore, was acting contrary to the revealed will of the Father. So think about this. Prohibition against using the sword in a particular circumstance doesn't mean that we can't use the sword for defense whatsoever. In other words, a particular prohibition doesn't entail a universal prohibition. And that's all Jesus was doing with regard to Peter in the garden. It was a particular prohibition. So in no way can that be used as a justification for a universal prohibition of taking up the sword in self-defense. A second reason why the pacifist interpretation is wrong is that it makes Jesus out to be one who doesn't follow his own teaching. Jesus would be inconsistent if this interpretation were correct. Consider, for example, Jesus' exchange with the high priest at his trial in John 18, 19-23. When the high priest questions Jesus about his teaching, Jesus defends himself, saying, I've spoken openly to the world. I've always taught in synagogues and in the temple where all Jews come together. I have said nothing secretly. Why do you ask me? Ask those who've heard me what I said to them. They know what I said. And then an officer of the court then strikes Jesus saying, is that how you answer the high priest? And Jesus again defends himself saying, if I have spoken wrongly, bear witness to the wrong. But if I have spoken rightly, why do you strike me? Notice Jesus didn't turn the other cheek in the pacifist sense. He scolded the officer who hit him. He wasn't just laying down and not defending himself in this particular circumstance. A third reason for rejecting the pacifist interpretation is that Paul doesn't behave in a way that's consistent with it. Take, for example, Paul's appeal to his Roman citizenship as to avoid Roman torture and crucifixion in Acts chapter 22, verses 25 through 29. As Paul was tied up, about to be scourged by a centurion, Paul makes this case, quote, Is it lawful for you to scourge a man who is a Roman citizen and uncondemned? There in verse 25, Luke tells us that the centurion then went to the tribunal, informed them of Paul's Roman citizenship, and the tribunal, quote, withdrew from Paul instantly, close quote. Luke goes on then to say that the tribune was also afraid for he realized that Paul was a Roman citizen and that he had bound him. Paul didn't lay over and turn the other cheek in the passive sense. 
he did what he could to limit the evil done to him. Paul also defends himself in Acts 23.3, when struck on the mouth while standing before the Jewish council and Ananias the high priest saying, God shall strike you, you, uh, Paul says, God shall strike you, you whitewashed wall. Are you sitting to judge me according to the law and yet contrary to the law, you order me to be struck? (laughs) So he's actually struck in the mouth and Paul scolds him for it in defense. Paul then causes division among the Jewish council when he, quote, perceived that part were Sadducees and the other Pharisees, crying out, Brethren, I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee, with respect to the hope and the resurrection of the dead, I am on trial. And then Luke reports that a dissension arose between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. That's verses 7 and 8 in Acts 23. So Paul's behavior doesn't jibe with the pacifist interpretation of turning the other cheek. So lest we say... Paul is disobeying Jesus, we ought to reject the pacifist interpretation. Now that we've established reasons as to why we shouldn't read Jesus' teaching to turn the other cheek in a pacifist way, the question becomes, well, how should we interpret it? Well, one interpretation is that Jesus is using hyperbole to highlight an important point. That Jesus is using hyperbole is supported by the hyperbolic context of the teaching. Consider, for example, Matthew 5, 29 through 30. Jesus teaches that if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and throw it away. Or that if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. Surely, this is hyperbolic language meant to accentuate the idea that we need to get rid of the things that serve as obstacles to us getting to heaven. In Matthew 5, 34 through 37, Jesus teaches that we shouldn't swear and let our yes and no be simply yes and no. But when the high priest placed Jesus under oath at his trial, saying, I adjure you by the living God, tell us if you are the Christ, in Matthew 26, 63, Jesus responded, thereby indicating that he didn't intend for us to take his teaching against swearing to be absolute. Rather, it was meant to express the idea that we as Christians shouldn't need oaths when dealing with each other, Because a marker of being a Christian is honesty. There's no need for an oath when honesty is presumed. In Matthew 5, 42, Jesus teaches that if anyone begs from you, then we shouldn't refuse him, but must give to him what he asks. Jesus couldn't possibly have meant this literally, right? In a strict literalistic sense. Otherwise, we as Christians would be broke (laughs) and unable to provide for our families. But surely... Jesus wouldn't command us to do something that would run contrary to God's command to care for our family's needs. The point of the teaching is that we as Christians should be known for our generosity. So given that the immediate context, both before and after the teaching in question involves hyperbole, we can reasonably conclude that Jesus is using hyperbole when he says to turn the other cheek. So we've established that Jesus is using hyperbole. The question now is, what's the accentuated point? If Jesus is using hyperbole here, well, what's the point he's trying to get across? There are a few options, all of which are related in some degree. One option is that Jesus is teaching us that we need to be peacemakers. We need to have a disposition such that peace is our primary goal, that we're not just violent people. Another option, proposed by St. Thomas Aquinas in his Summa Theologiae, the second part of the second part, question 72, article 3, is that Jesus is teaching us to be patient in the face of things done against us. 
and have what he calls a preparedness of mind to take the insult. The idea here is that we need to bear wrongs patiently and not be so quick to defend ourselves. And in fact, this is one of the spiritual works of mercy, right? Bear wrongs patiently. Aquinas gives this teaching explicitly in connection with Jesus' teaching to turn the other cheek. But within the context of the need of us having patience in the face of revilers, those who attack us not by violent action, but by words. Regardless, Thomas Aquinas' answer here applies to both. Another option proposed uh, is that we should have an attitude that's not so gung-ho on insisting on personal legal rights, even if they're legitimate. R.T. France suggests this proposal, gives this proposal. Rather, we should be willing to forego such legal rights when insulted. Now, one clue that's offered for this interpretation is the use of the Greek word anthistomy, which translates as offering of resistance, when Jesus says, offer no resistance to one who is evil. As R.T. France points out, the verb enthystomy is sometimes used for take legal action against. We can add to this the fact that according to Jewish law, one could receive financial compensation for being slapped in the face since it was insulting to one's honor. According to the Mishnah in Baba Kama 8.5, heavier compensation was given for being slapped with a backhanded slap because such a slap involved more insult to one's honor. This seems to be the type of slap that Jesus had in mind, since to be slapped on the right cheek by a right-handed person, the dominant hand for most people, could only be done with the back of the hand. So given this backdrop of legal financial compensation, some scholars like France suggest that Jesus is challenging his disciples to not insist so much on what is legally due to them in this case, financial compensation for being defamed. Now, given the hyperbolic nature of the statement, Jesus doesn't intend that we always seek peace or that we always bear wrong or that we always not take legal action against those who insult us. So the question arises, well, what's our guide for determining when? We should seek violence in response to the abuse or no longer bear the wrong or take legal action. Here, I think St. Thomas Aquinas, again, can be our guide. In his articulation that I mentioned previously, that we should have a preparedness of mind to take the insult, he says that we should do so only if necessary or if it should be expedient to do so. And he assures us that we're not always bound to do this actually. It's more of, of having the disposition. And Aquinas gives two reasons why it might be fitting at times for us to withstand against being abused. Of course, whether this retaliation is carried out by an individual or those in authority will be determined by the circumstances. Again, his specific target is revilers, but I think we can apply Aquinas' reasoning here to physical abuse as well. The first reason he gives why sometimes it's good to withstand the abuse is for the good of the reviler or the abuser or the attacker, which for Aquinas involves keeping his immoral behavior in check and keeping him from repeating the abuse. 
So that would be looking out for the good of the reviler. And then the second reason he gives is for the good of many who would be prevented from progressing in virtue on account of our being abused. Aquinas quotes Gregory's, Gregory the Great's homily, number nine on Ezekiel, those who are so placed that their life should be an example to others ought, if possible, to silence their detractors, lest their preaching be not heard by those who could have heard it, and they continue their evil conduct through contempt of a good life. So, if, the, if accepting the abuse is going to undermine the good of many, then that would be a fitting circumstance to retaliate against the abuse, to defend oneself against the abuse, and to not bear that wrong. Um, always bearing patiently, we always need to be patient, but to not bear that wrong in that circumstance. So Jesus is teaching that we must turn the other cheek could be interpreted as a hyperbolic statement to accentuate the point that we need to be peacemakers, we need to be patient, or not so gung-ho in insisting on our legal rights for getting back at the offender. Now, there's another interpretation that some have given. It's suggested that Jesus is teaching his disciples to be willing to bear persecution for his sake without retaliation. And it's bearing persecution for his sake that is the key there. Recall, as I said a minute ago, the strike on the right cheek implies an, an insulting slap of the highest kind. From whom might the early Christians be receiving such slaps? A very plausible candidate would be the synagogue officials, many of whom, according to Luke's account in the Acts of the Apostles, persecuted the early Christians. Remember, we just referenced the passage in Acts where the uh, high priests or the council members struck Paul in the mouth. For such non-Christian Jews, the Christians were heretics, and thus would have been, in their eyes, deserving of such insulting slaps, again, as evidenced as in the book of Acts. Moreover, the Greek word that's translated as strike, rapizo, is used in Matthew 26, 67 in reference to those present at Jesus' trial, slapping Jesus within the context of them accusing him as a blasphemer. Third piece of evidence here, this interpretation fits with the subsequent instruction in verse 45, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So it could be that Jesus speaks of turning the other cheek or not retaliating as a response to insult within the specific circumstance of being persecuted for his name's sake. So if we're in the specific circumstance of being persecuted for his name's sake, we as a Christian need to take the persecution and not retaliate and defend ourselves in that specific circumstance because of the higher good of being persecuted for Jesus' name. Regardless of which interpretation we go with for the instruction to turn the other cheek, whether it's hyperbole to accentuate a certain point to be a peacemaker and to be patient, or to endure the persecution for the sake of Jesus, we know for sure that Jesus is not advocating for pacifism. Well, my friends, that does it for this episode of the Sunday Catholic Word. We're now equipped with some strategies for arguing against a pacifist interpretation of Jesus' instruction to turn the other cheek. And we also have 
plausible interpretations of what he exactly means here. If you're interested in the philosophical principles that ground legitimate self-defense, check out my article at catholic.com, How Far Can a Christian Go in Self-Defense? Thank you for subscribing to the podcast. Please be sure to tell your friends about it and invite them to subscribe as well. Also, if you're interested in getting some cool mugs and stickers with my logo, Mr. Sunday Podcasts, go to shop.catholic.com. I hope that you have a great seventh Sunday of Ordinary Time. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Sunday Catholic Word. Find more great shows by visiting catholicanswerspodcasts.com or just search for Catholic Answers wherever you listen to podcasts. Podcasts.